The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Jesus replied, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Matthew 14, 6. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I have the pleasure of your company for an hour this week to offer homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God keeps cropping up in the ordinariness of our lives and has us smiling. Everywhere I turn, I'm being told to wait, and I'm singing the Lord's song upon an alien soil still. Oh my. The temperature is warming up a little bit, although I wish it would stop raining. Each week, I entice a truly marvelous person to pop over and join me for part of the show. I offer intangibles like social media exposure because I can't hand round plates of sandwiches or pour cups of tea. And, you know, I would if I could. My fearless guests join me anyway to talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child rearing above their highest joy. With me today is Sue Patterson a self-confessed radical unschooler who lives in my home state, Texas. We're going to be talking about those young adults again, so stay tuned to find out from Sue why you gotta love them. That'll be after the first break. And me? Well, I've got my Earl Grey and a Time Out, which is a rather delicious wafer biscuit covered in chocolate with a slight coffee taste. I feel like I'm mixing up the flavors. I'll be going on about obedience at home, exchanges a day out, a dodgy knee, and falling asleep on trains. I'm bursting to start, so what are we waiting for? I'm having an ongoing discussion about the unchanging word of the Bible in the face of our evolving creation with some priest friends and acquaintances of mine from both sides of the pond. To read about the discourse, you'll have to go over to my website of the same name as this show, The Social Homeschooler, later on in the week when I've published my thoughts. But for the time being, my opening verse should say it all. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. My blue-eyed cowboy and I went out exploring on what turned out to be the one sunny There's nothing quite like an English summer afternoon, especially when you're outside in the woodlands. The perfumes coming off the blossom in the trees is heady, although tickly in my nostrils and heavy on my chest. Ah, allergy season is lingering. Back to our outing. We hopped on the tube with a packed lunch and got off at a stop we'd never been to before, Turnham Green, which quickly became Turnip Greens. There was a lovely village green, surprise, surprise, right ahead as we emerged from the dim interior of the station. So we sat down on a little bench and ate our lunch. 
under a tree and photographed the greenness snapshotting our way across to America. We saw lots of little uniformed school children walk with purpose, so we didn't to we didn't know where. Well, they were so cute. So one of them was carrying a little first aid kit. Thought he was it. We ourselves walked along a pretty high street with a couple of antique shops. One was a converted cinema with several stalls inside, so it was a little like a mall, only really nothing like one at all. My cowboy and I love browsing and looking for bargains, none to be had here in a very expensive part of town, as it turns out. All the lovely furniture and knickknacks were priced accordingly, but it was fun anyway. This is where Chiswick House is, and we followed promising signs to its magnificent not having a clue as to what Chiswick House is. However, it was located on the other side of a very busy street, the A4 to be precise, and we had to use an underpass. Now, I find underpasses sketchy places. They've got tiled walls, stained floors, and odiferous passages. There are no pretty underpasses where I go, ooh, let's do that again. We emerged the other side but realized that Chiswick House, a Roman-style Palladian villa built in 1729 and designed by the third Earl of Burlington, is only part of the attraction. Its gardens are the birthplace of the English landscape movement and they've been restored to their original splendor. My brave Texans neither was not being a willing participant, willing participant for a major exploration on foot. So given this British heritage property, the justice it deserved will have to be saved for another day. A quick by note here, the original house was built on the side of a main road and caused a stir among the third Earl of Burlington's peers for they too wished that their properties be beside main roads. An odd note, I thought. And I have to say that Dorts has been working and auditioning really hard. Although she isn't getting 40 hours baristering, she says she wouldn't be able to do anything else if she worked anymore. She is filling in with auditions in the occasional class in the hopes that something will yield a better paying job than making coffee. Ah, for the joys of the semi-dependent life resembling selective hearing acknowledged only when it suits. She went off to Lee to take class at her old school and spent a lot of time walking here, there and everywhere with friends as well as dancing, well, as in taking class, not clubbing. She caught a late train home and when she boarded and called us to tell us when she had boarded the train from Victoria and we expected her home at about 12.30 in the morning, you know, we just can't go to sleep until she's home. But instead of a key in the door, we heard a swish on the iPhone to tell me that she had missed her stop and was two towns further along. And as she left the train, she had the whimsical, if not logical, thought that ah, she'd be able to hop on a train going back in the opposite direction, only there weren't any more trains. She was stranded somewhere in Kent at an ungodly hour. Luckily, she was able to ask a passenger walking ahead of her to call a taxi. Her phone was losing charge, something to do with non-stop listening to tunes. She arrived home about 20 minutes later, and um, how would she missed her stop while she'd fallen asleep. And this has brought the vigilante out in her, and she pledges that if she ever is on a train at night, which she is often, and finds someone fast asleep, she'll nudge them at each stop just in case. And what with church discussions and musings about obedience and the definition word of the Bible this week, things like can we follow Christ and still have a life, the life we had before, or are we truly supposed to give up the old and embark on the new? 
this would be a fab time to continue on with the Ten Commandments that I was using to serve as a solid, rock-solid base on which to teach my young family obedience. I was on the last commandment, the one about coveting, and was looking forward to it because my blue-eyed cowboy and I had noticed that in its most basic form, dissatisfaction with what you already have wasn't a new concept to our offspring. In fact, it had been present since the birth of our second son. As soon as there's another individual close in age and living on the premises, I found coveting presents itself by default. A toddler wanting something of mine isn't quite the same as his must-have squeals for something that belongs to a sibling, even though it may only be a rattle or a sippy cup of juice. It was obvious that when my children's first words were not da-da or mama, but mine, I was going to have a problem. Just kidding. But anyway, remarkably, they were born with this innate sense of ownership. It wasn't rightful, but at this young age, that was too deep a concept to introduce. If one of them found an object in his hand, especially if the object was on the way to his mouth, it automatically became mine and earned the right to be fought for tooth and nail, gum and nail, really. Although we are not supposed to be able to teach our children successfully at least the subtle and painful differences between right and wrong until they reach the age of reason, at least according to the Catholic Church, the notion of yours and mine becomes clear cut at a year old. Trust me on this, the your side of the equation is not viewed very favorably by the one in desperately wanting mode. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, wife, animals, slaves, or anything that belongs to him. Why is it always him? asked my oldest girl, reading more into the commandment than she should at six. A girl could have all those things too, couldn't she? Well, not a wife. It was during our morning Bible class and we were in our second year of homeschooling. I'd explained that neighbor also meant brother or sister, but the word him was very clearly mentioned here. Darn it. I should have found a translation that continued with the gender neutral word neighbor. I could see the lesson on coveting wasn't going, was going to go straight if I didn't rain things in. So I continued our little discussion by using the two most deliciously bad sounding words in the English language as far as my young ones are concerned, deadly and sin, both in the same sentence. Envy is one of the seven deadly sins, I said. Deadly? What's that mean? They asked in unison, not for the first time. See, even at this age, they were skirting the issue which was covered. But of course, only I knew that envy and covet were closely related. Quick lesson here. Envy and covetousness can lead to theft or murder, but out of different inner motives. But, hey, my wise children had picked up on the word deadly. It means, I said, repeating myself, they love repetition, same bedtime stories, same nursery rhymes, same cartoons, same Rafi, same food, same cup, same, same, same. It means that if you really want something that doesn't belong to you, then it's a mortal sin. And that means when you die, you may go to hell strong language, I know, but hell was another one of those abstract words that had an impressive impact at this age. They pulled back in horror. So if we really, really, really want something that isn't ours, then what's to stop us from taking it? That's my oldest ever on the search for loopholes. Ah, that's stealing. Remember an earlier commandment? That's a deadly sin too, isn't it? Asked my oldest daughter, enjoying the way the word deadly sounded and hoping she was right. Well, it's a sin that could lead to a deadly sin if you're not careful, I answered. Glad that their quick solution to the covered problem, just nick the bloody item, was coming undone and leading them back into the deadly sin trail. Who said so, they counted. 
God said so, I said, as I grabbed my opportunity to lay the blame at the feet of someone else in our house besides my husband or me. In the Ten Commandments, I explained and opened the Bible. Everyone knows that if you want something badly enough, all you have to do is wait until your brother's back is turned and take it, endorsing her older brother's ideas, said my younger daughter. Then if he begins crying, you just ask mum or dad, whoever's there at the time, to buy you one too, adding one of her own. Honestly, at eight, she had the unwavering assurance of an articulate and beloved child who has enjoyed the modicum of success with this ploy. I sighed, today wasn't the day to teach the covet commandment. Wanting to play with your brother's truck is not the same as coveting in the biblical sense. Some abstract concepts may have to wait a few years, but the lesson didn't do me any harm. And it looks as though it is time for me to go on a short break. So thanks for joining me today and stay with me because my guest, Sue Patterson, has got some really interesting things to say about older children. Do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get the competitive edge and take your success to the next level with the Gold Medal Success Show and your host, Forrest Fisher, six-time U.S. National Gold Medalist. Tune in every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central, 6 Pacific, here on the Rockstar Radio Network as Forrest gives you access into the mindset of true champions and helps you apply these success principles to your life and business for immediate results. Each show will feature guest athletes and business experts who have achieved tremendous success and are ready to share their stories of struggle, glory, tragedy, and triumph, revealing tips and strategies Forrest and these guest experts use to propel themselves to world-class success. Many people live their whole lives wanting more. The Gold Medal Success Show will demonstrate that anyone can have a more fulfilling and satisfying life when they put a few basic principles into play. Make every day game day. With the Gold Medal Success Show, each Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Get ready to laugh along with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Ellie Lopreet. Friday evenings at 6, 5 Central on Togethead.com. This is a truly realistic, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is method that will have you laughing and crying, surviving while struggling, and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopri. Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
This afternoon, I have the pleasure to be talking to Sue Patterson, a self-confessed radical unschooler and highly involved mum of three grown children. She's spoken at Rethinking Education conferences and homeschool conferences in various states, has participated in support groups in Alaska, California, and Texas, and met with the Department of Defense to discuss her role with homeschoolers overseas. She's written for home education magazines, The Mother Is Me, The California Homeschooler, and NHEN Voices. She's currently a columnist at The Homeschooler and will start as their managing editor in the fall of this year. And she's found time to be a guest on my show today. Sue raised her children differently from other people. We're going to talk about that. She wasn't interested in establishing her authority or catching her children doing something wrong. And we're going to talk about that too. Sue, welcome to my show. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, you're more than welcome, Sue. And, you know, I need to, uh, before we plunge into how you raised your children, I just want to find out a little bit about yourself for my listeners so they can kind of get a grasp on who you are. So um, how long have you been married and what brought you to homeschooling? Well, um, I've been married for 27 years. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a coup. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we started homeschooling because um, my son had gone to school and it really wasn't working out. You know, I hadn't really thought of myself as someone that was going to do something like that. I was just a suburban soccer mom. Only, you know, back then it was just T-ball and Tiger Cubs. <laughs> and um, But my son went off to school and it just seemed so dull. And he came home so tired and so run down and... And I remembered thinking, gosh, there's got to be a better way. And I ran into people that homeschooled, and only a couple, because this was like 1996, mm-hmm. and really probably before that, because we started in 1996, so probably a year or so before. And um, these people, they had they had teenagers that were meeting your eyes and having conversations with you, and and they were homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. And there weren't very many of them, but I started to look through their materials and stuff, and I thought, I could do that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. We could try this and see, because he had—he was just a really curious, rambunctious kid, and it just mm-hmm. didn't fit into a classroom setting. And, and I remember when I first talked to his teacher, who was um, a first-grade teacher, and I said, you know, I think we are going to do this, because he, of course, couldn't keep his mouth quiet. I was thinking, mm-hmm. don't tell anyone. But he did. And um, she she was like, you know, that's the best thing because the other day it broke my heart when he said, oh, we were talking about the moon or some solar system thing. And he said, oh, what about the moons of Jupiter? Are we going to get to – and she's like, oh, no, no, that will be fourth grade. And I watched his little shoulders sink and, and think, oh, that poor kid. He's going to have to wait till fourth grade to learn about the moons around Jupiter. Yeah. And she says, but now he doesn't have to. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, that's really really embracing. It turns out that her younger sisters had been homeschooled, and she was totally supportive of the idea. And so all that now, fear so, of God created. <laughs> where were you when all this was going on? That was in San Antonio. We were at Lackland Air Force Base. Okay. And, okay. Um, yeah, and then we were about to move to Alaska, so it was a perfect timing to make a big change, you know, because we just, like... Normally, you take their little school records, and then you take them to the next base that you're going to go to, and um, I just took them and kept them. And okay, so, so you're talking about the next base. So you're a military mom? 
I am. I am. Right. We we were 20 years in the military in the Air Force, mm-hmm. and um, my husband was an operating room nurse originally, and then he um, became the director of the OR tech program for the Air Force up at Shepard Air Force Base when we came down to Texas again. So we went from San Antonio. Well, we had others, but, but with the kids, we went from San Antonio to Elmendorf Air Force Base in Anchorage, and then down to Travis Air Force Base in California, and then Shepard Air Force Base in Wichita Falls, Texas. Mm -hmm. And now we're outside of Austin. So we kind of just did a little loop. (laughs) Yeah, so where are you you from originally? I'm Dallas. Oh, so you are a Texan. I am. I am. And my kids were all born in Texas, even in spite of all of that. I always say, up and down the 35 quarter, because one was Dallas, one was Austin, and one was San Antonio. All right. So, okay. Well, yeah. well, my husband always says there aren't very many Texans in Texas, so you're one and he's one. So I, I am. Too. My husband, <laughs> Mesquite, Texas. And, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so the whole okay. crowd. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, good. Good. Have you ever been overseas then with with the military? I haven't. You know, that was the one thing I really wanted to do. My husband promised me that we would get to England. <laughs> well, and you can they, do that in your retirement. He took me to Alaska. He took me to Alaska instead. I'm like, oh. He goes, no, it'll be better. I'll just take you for a visit to England. And, <laughs> but my career would be better if we did this. Yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. You do what you do. All right. Well, tell me. I know. I know you had said a little bit about um, using Calvert in one of your blogs. It was so funny because that was the first thing I started with. Is that what you started with? I did start with that. And it, yeah. You know, when I when I first started looking at catalogs and stuff, I was um, it was mainly like Mary Pride and Kathy Duffy, and they were all really um, Christian homeschooling catalogs, mm-hmm. and that was fine because it really opened my eyes to the resources that were out there. I was so relieved to see that I could buy a frog dissection kit <laughs> or oh, I yeah, could buy yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever whatever I needed. And so um, I was looking through there, and I, in my mind I thought, well, you know, we were Episcopalian, but we weren't really doing this for religious reasons. We were doing this because we wanted to let our kids kind of grow beyond, not be limited by school, you know, be able to... Um, explore and discover and all of that. And so I um, I went ahead and looked at the curriculum and saw that um, Calvert seemed to be familiar to me. So I thought, well, school in the box. And, you know, so when I look back at it, I think, and I don't mean to, like, slam anybody that likes Calvert, but, but for us, if you're going away from something because you find it limiting, why would you choose something that is, okay, do that now at home? Yeah, well, you know, I I suppose the main philosophy, because it's been going for so long, and I've met a lot of people who are my age who were homeschooled with Calvert because their parents were either missionaries, you know, way abroad and they couldn't get anything, or... I mean, one family that I interviewed, they were, they were worked with the Ringling Circus. And, you know, that's what they wanted to do. So they did, right. they did Calvert. And, um, but I did Calvert. I did not do the advisory teacher because I didn't want somebody telling me what to do. Exactly. We and did that. I did, I did I the test. I believe for, that. I, 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 I know, I know. I did I, the test. 
I did the test for a while and then thought, oh my gosh, they made me feel as though I wasn't teaching my kids very well if my kids got the wrong answers and didn't do a very good grade. grade. So in the end, I dropped it, but it gave me a really good understanding of what I could do on my own. You know, it gave me the courage to do it on my own. I I think it was exactly that for me too, that it was Mm -hmm. like a stepping stone to that you can step away. And first you Mm -hmm. can step away and be tightly (laughs) and then you can let little pieces of it go and then you can discover Hey, I'm swimming without water wings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's let's yeah. get into that. You say that you raised your children differently. So okay. So apart from homeschooling, which I mean that is different. What other what other ways set you apart that you knew about? You know, because did people come up to you and were they surprised at some of the decisions that you made with your children um, while you were parenting them, or what made you think that you raised your children differently? Well, I think that when um, initially most of my friends were sending their kids to school, so the idea that I would even decide to do this for myself, they kind of like thought that was off the chart. And then, um, but the fact that we were moving around, they could always write it off easily to the fact, well, they're moving so often with the military, no wonder. Okay, so it made it easier for them to accept then once I got within the homeschooling community, and we were still kind of Calvert-y, and, and I didn't really know a lot, but I went, um, I went to Alaska, and, and there were, uh, it really influenced me to be a lot more independent-minded. So, like, when we would, people would say, oh, we can't do anything until Friday after we've completed all of our work, and I'm thinking... Why? Why can't you just go to the museum with us now? <laughs> and so we we would start doing things throughout the week that were different. Or mm-hmm. or I would let the kids, um, I guess what I think more about as they were older, when that really became more solidly in my mind that I was doing things differently because I was letting them explore stuff so like when my daughter decided that she wanted to wear like so much eyeliner that she was kindred spirits with Avril Lavigne and (laughs) you know you're like oh honey this you you want to say oh honey this really makes you look trashy don't wear that and but but it's part of exploring and figuring it out and not being judged and coming to your own conclusions, and they do let those things go, yeah. and and they get to a good spot, and they learned a tremendous amount of confidence because they weren't judged and pigeonholed and told, no, no, don't do that. And so when I would allow them to explore things, when I let my son go off to Japan for three months on an exchange student program, and people are like, Japan, why are you doing that? And and it, it it made sense. We, what we did was we just kind of followed a natural pattern of what was happening in their lives, with their interests, with their passions, and we just kept bravely taking the next step, whatever that next step happened to be. And so what I did when I think of myself as, as parenting differently is I trusted them. Mm-hmm. I trusted that our relationship was good enough that I was going to hear from them if they needed more input from me. I was going to be involved in their life enough that 
I could um, I could influence it without molding it. It's, mm. it's kind mm. of a fine line, you know. Mm. And um, where other parents were really not trusting them, putting curfews in, putting you know, I didn't have curfews for my kids, and they were off doing things late at night, and but they were. Luckily, we're going on a my- yeah. We're going on a break now, so we'll pick okay. up after okay, this. Okay, that's fine. I just ramble. Sure, <laughs> that's right. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen. Learn. And yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network. Mobile is the future, and the future is now. Listen in each week, Tuesdays, 4 to 5 Central, to Brilliant Mobile Marketing with your host, Mobile Mary, as we simplify the hottest marketing channel, Mobile Marketing, and share secrets on how you can use mobile to be more brilliant, be more profitable, and have more fun in your industry. Join us each week to learn from brilliant business leaders on how to simply and easily capture a list of raving fans and turn them into loyal customers. This show will help business owners, authors, and speakers realize their own brilliance by tapping into the insights of fellow brilliant business leaders. We will also showcase brilliant tools, both traditional and digital, that will make you more brilliant in everything you do. Don't miss your date with Brilliant Mobile Marketing and your host, Mobile Mary, America's mobile marketing expert, as she shares her success strategies every Tuesday from 4 to 5 Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Those of you who are just joining us, I'm talking to Sue Patterson about her philosophy of raising her children by trusting them. And that's that's wonderful, Sue, that, that you did that because you know, if they make mistakes, they can do it in a safe environment, knowing that they're not going to be judged by mum or dad. Exactly. So um, how did you how did you tell your children where you stood? Because obviously, you know, as as we're older and wiser, we we kind of can see where certain paths are going to lead. Um, So how did you talk to your children about that without making them feel judged? I think that a lot of times um, I I tried to create conversations that were casual 
that were, you know, examples of things that I had seen and how that could possibly play out and what would you do if this happened. And it kind of got wheels turning in their head about, oh, that really could go wrong, couldn't it? <laughs> but, you know, the truth is, is I don't really know 100% for sure. I mean, some of these things that I think, oh, gosh, don't do that, mm-hmm. it, it turned out okay. They did yeah. okay with it. And yeah. so, you know, it has to do with really not being governed by our fear. You know, I think that's always, we're so afraid as parents that we're going to screw them up or we're going to um, somehow close doors instead of open doors. And, um, and we have to break out of that. Yeah, and, and you said that um, there was one thing, one, one of the main things, not main things, but I mean a big thing that you talked about, which happened in my family too, was this sleeping late. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you imagine that if your children... Uh, you know, but did, did we really, were we really trained as children to get up early so that we could get to work on time? You know, did that really happen? Right. Well, I think that probably the school kids, you know, they're certainly yes. up to crack of dawn. And, um, but was it necessary? No. You know, aren't their bodies, you know, I was just reading some stuff about sleep and how the body has melanin and its production is affected by hormones and that's why teen you know the kids get up super early when they're little you know they're prying your eyelids open and then later they're they're sleeping and their whole clock is different and some of it's affected by hormones and and just growing up and letting them sleep um you know there's the kids that have to get up early are sleep deprived and how, how do you learn? How do you embrace life if you're operating on not enough sleep? So when the kids are staying up later but they're sleeping in, it just follows the natural clock a little bit better. Um, and my kids, they did not have problems getting up for work. Um, when they were 16, they got jobs. And, um, you know, Katie went to work at a bookstore, and she had to be there at 7 o'clock. That meant makeup, hair, the whole nine yards. And at first I was getting her up with her, but she was excited to have her job, so she was, like, bopping along. And, um, and then as time passed, she was sticking her head in the door, waking me, saying, I'm going to work now. Okay. And that was really about me. I was always a little nervous when everybody drove, you know, because I'm like, if you're, I, will you let me know when you get from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. And so thank heavens for texting now. It's mm-hmm. so easy. You don't have to be on the phone with your mom. You can just say, made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then my fear is gone, you know, and, yeah. and I think as parents, if we really kind of look at our fear, then we can adjust our our own anxiety we can talk to them tell them i'm afraid about this mm-hmm. and they can they can talk, they can realize where you're coming from because they don't know they got no idea what you're panicking about mm-hmm. and so you have to kind of get it clear in your head what exactly am i panicking about mm-hmm. and and then talk to them about it and you know one thing you mentioned about um giving them a safe place to to land, like to make a mistake and, and, and still be at home, that's so important because it, it life is full of falling down and getting back up. And if you 
if you let them do that and you help them instead of slam them, see, I told you so, or any of that kind of stuff, they are a lot more able to step into their own. They're able to continue. They don't operate out of fear quite as much. You know, maybe each generation we can <laughs> we can grow a little and not um, – not do things from a fear standpoint. Instead, just do things from an I'm brave enough to give this a try because yeah. I've I've failed before and I lived through it and I've succeeded before and I got forward and, and it's just a helpful life skill, really. You know, really, if you don't teach them anything, if you taught them that, yeah. that would be great. Yeah. Now, you said um, that you're... You trust your children, which uh, which I think is marvelous. Your youngest daughter came uh-huh. home at seventeen and announced that she had met who she wanted to marry. <laughs> she did. She did. And you, you didn't. You didn't go. Uh, well, just wait. You probably thought, "Hmm, we'll see." Oh, I but did. Didn't, I didn't did. I have that. to say, you know, I'm, I <laughs> I do trust them, but I have to be honest. I was like, "What? <laughs> what? Are you crazy?" No, I mean, I didn't say, are you crazy? But I did say, um, wow, I don't know about that. <laughs> and um, and I was able to talk with both of them about my concerns about early marriage, and they were able to tell me about examples of early marriages that were successful, and um, and they had good points. And I said, you know, if you could at least give it a year and a half, have a really long engagement, I could be so much more on board with this. And I know that that's tough, but you've got the rest of your life. What does it matter? Why don't you just let me, you know, let me ease into this a little bit? Because this was not what I had planned. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But, you know, the thing is, though, it sounds as though, because she is married. She got married a few weeks after In April. Yeah. 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 She is married. And and so she is going to be able to pursue her life with somebody beside her, supporting her, hopefully. Is he supportive? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> lovely. Lovely. And you know yeah. what's interesting, too? They're both very different than what I would consider, you know, certainly how I was at, at, you know, they're now 19 and 21, because mm-hmm. they did honor my request. Of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's the thing, I guess, if you, if you don't put a whole lot of requests out there, when you do put them out there, they kind of listen. You know, yeah. Yeah. so they they did go ahead and wait until after she was finished with her cosmetology program for a little while, and he was finished with his fire academy, and so he's been an active firefighter for a year at, on his job, and she's mm-hmm. been for a year hair doing hair hairstylist, mm-hmm. and um, I wasn't that together at at nineteen and twenty one. Yeah. You know, I was just off to college. Yeah. running amok and, <laughs> yeah and she and she knew what she wanted to do obviously because she this is the one who wore the heavy eyeliner it and, is it is and she doesn't do that anymore <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And, and i think you know i've got I, i've got four children and they all pretty much all knew what they wanted to do and they just went for it and and they right. knew what they wanted to do it wasn't easy particularly but they they just you know went ahead right. and did what they wanted to do because we had told them that they can do they could do anything they wanted to do. 
Right. You know, and at school, they're really pushed only for this college track and everything is, you know, and there's a lot of stuff like they talk about your permanent record. Well, there's not really a permanent record. You know, there's this push towards molding that I don't think has to happen in homeschooling. You know, you don't have to be an unschooler to, you can still kind of nurture all of their interests and passions and help them get from one point to another. And it's not always a straight line. You know, it's the no. zigzaggy thing sometimes. And That's right. And most, most of the time. And um, they learn so much. And they, and they really come to know themselves without an undue, you know, without excessive peer influence. And everybody makes fun of you if you do this, so I'm not doing that. And um, they don't have that in their life. Now, so you they also got- talked to your, your oldest son. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't well. We were talking we were talking about writing. He was talking. You know, you were talking in your blog about him writing, and yeah. in the end, you just did a lot of reading with him and really didn't force him to sit down and write. And when he went to do his college, you know, entrance exam, he didn't. You know, he failed that portion of the exam. But what has he ended up doing? Well, he ended up. What happened was. Because he's really like a, a storyteller, that was his his love. He loved um, he loved finding stories and sharing with people. And um, he and so what happened on that entrance exam was they asked a question at the community college level, which he ended up taking two years of community college and then transferring to a university. Mm-hmm. Um, the questions were things that were always school related. Like I think his was um, about no pass, no play, which is a mm-hmm. which is a law here in Texas about if you don't have a passing grade for the week, you can't play football that Friday or something like that. And he just went off, you know. And it was I hadn't really explained to him about how to write a persuasive paper, you know, the basic intro, three mm-hmm. three points, and then conclusion. And so then when I did explain it to him, and he went and took it, and the next one was like uniforms in school or something, he simply did those things and passed mm-hmm. the test. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have yeah. to have years and years of how to write a research paper uh, no. to do that. And then ultimately, he got... Which is ironic. He got a degree in journalism. Yeah. yeah. And so he was um, with honors, magna cum laude, and and now he, and he really only did that because he liked to tell stories and he wanted to join the Peace Corps. And the Peace Corps required a degree. And so he got a degree and is in Nicaragua in his second year there and is, um, teaching people how to teach English. So he teaches teachers. So he's in high school. The boy that never went to high school, (laughs) never set foot in an American high school, is now influencing high schools in Nicaragua. Which You know, it's a place that really does a lot of real rote learning, you know, just memorize it and it's no fun. And and that's what happens when you don't really know what you're doing. You know, you just follow. Okay, can you come back just briefly Uh after this break? Yes? Okay. Absolutely. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? 
That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. It's not just time for a change, is it? It's much bigger than that. Can you feel it? It's time for a transformation. Will you now imagine that you can and will transform your life? Will you suspend your disbelief and imagine that all things are not just possible, but probable? Imagine that you will meet guides, mentors, and trusted friends who believe in you. Hold your hand as they point the way and teach you to trust your own wisdom. The first of these friends is spiritual girlfriend Gail Carruthers. Gail will show you how to believe. Believe your perfect divine wisdom will reveal your worthiness. Believe that knowing your power will open your boundless courage. Courage to live consciously, fearlessly, and joyfully. And then know, know all these things are already here and waiting for you to bring them into your divine life. She is here to help you discover, believe, and know. So join Gail, your spiritual girlfriend, every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo! Radio Network. Get ready for resources, tools, and support to help you build a successful business and live an awesome life. It's the Women's Business Success Show with your host, founder of the Association of Women Entrepreneurs, Tara McHugh. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Each show will feature a special guest interview. Tara will bring you highly successful entrepreneurs sharing their stories of success. You'll hear about the challenges they faced along their journey together with the advice they have to help you achieve more. You'll also hear from various personal and business development experts sharing tips, solutions, and strategies that you can easily implement into your business and life for amazing results. For more on Tara and her show, check out her website, aofwe.com. Then join us for the Women's Business Success Show with your host, the founder of the Association of Women Entrepreneurs, Tara McHugh. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Sue, we're talking about a little bit about the unconventional raising of our children, not necessarily along the... um, university path although one of your children did go to university you've got a mm-hmm. cosmopolit- cosmetologist <laughs> and um, your middle child is yeah. a drama she's school, an actress right? and yes. actually she is at an audition right now in Los Angeles mm-hmm. um, she went you know she did she's always loved acting and she did community theater and we did a little backyard theater when she was little with our homeschool support groups. And, and then, um, ultimately she went to the New York film Academy. So she left our little safe nest and flew to New York mm-hmm. and lived there for a year and, and worked and, and did a, um, conservatory there and then did the second year in Los Angeles and just finished it this past earlier this month. Yeah. And, um, and has her associate degree in fine arts of all things. You know, she was certainly not my most academic. <laughs> and she says, I think that's so funny. I have a degree. But, cause, and all she did was acting and, you know, cause that's how that works. And, um, and so she, um, she went, you know, we have a friend that is, a, um, 
um, a big sound person in movies, John Pritchett. He's done, like, The Road to Perdition and Spy Kids and stuff. And so he had her come out onto the set with him earlier this week where she was hanging out with Owen Wilson and Joaquin Phoenix and chatting with Josh Brolin. And she's like, Mom, it was so fun. They were so normal. <laughs> and and then she went to an audition and was just cast in a, a non-union play that's going to happen in Los Angeles. And so her goal is just to be a working actress, and and it's always been her goal. And so you know, unconventional that people were like, well, what if what if it doesn't work? What if, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, you know, we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. And she was really adamant about I. I have my plan. I have a plan A. And if I start thinking about what ifs mm-hmm. and plan Bs, then I'm taking energy away from plan A. I need to yeah. just focus on plan A. And plan. if I need a plan B, it will show itself. And so right now she's just diving in wholeheartedly. And luckily she has a very generous grandmother <laughs> who helps um, her pay some of those bills as she doesn't really have full-time work yet. And, um and that's the goal is that she will, that somehow she'll work in the entertainment field. And she loves California weather and Los Angeles, and she thought she'd always live in New York. And, um, but she didn't like that cold weather. So, no, <laughs> I, I don't blame her. Um, and Sue, if you, from the subway it, with your groceries. <laughs> that's right. Well, Sue, if you had to give um, a homeschooling parent who has older children who don't look as though they're going along the, you know, sort of the conventional path, what would you say to them? You know, would you say, well, yeah, you're right, worry, worry, worry. What are you going to say to them? I think I would say... Um, Work on the relationship. Work on the relationship more than anything else. Talk to them. Share your fears. Listen to their fears. Try hard to not judge. You know, try hard to not have that expression go across your face that is like, "Mm mm-hmm. Take that to your friends. Talk to your friends about that stuff. Mm -hmm. But be be on their side. Make Mm -hmm. them feel like you are on their team. Mm -hmm. And, And that will help them open up to you so that they can listen to you. But if they think it's a it's a power struggle, you don't get any headway. Mm. So if you if you want to have you have to, if you want to have any kind of benefit of influencing them from your life experience, you still have to give them room to have their own life, mm. but you you want to make sure that that communication is open. Um Absolutely. I think absolutely. that would be my best. That'd be my best. You have, you think so? You have teens. Yeah, older. no, absolutely. Excellent. That's, that's exactly yeah. what, what we try to do as, as parents. And, um, you know, it's working. <laughs> Slowly. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I know. Well, um, we've come to the end of our time, Sue. Okay. I've been talking to Sue Patterson, um, a homeschooler who was so highly involved with her children. She did a few surprising things, which we heard about. Her three grown children become independent, and she still loves them as if today is the only day she's going to have with them. I think that sums up Sue's philosophy really well there. As a military family, they moved a lot. 
She joined support groups and spoke at conferences wherever they lived. She wasn't interesting, interested in establishing her authority or catching her children doing something wrong. She wanted to be their guide, someone who had been there before, who wanted the best for them and, so, and support them and love them and listen to them. I'm sure her message has encouraged you. And if you want to learn more, then pop over to her blog about motherhood in transition at Lifelong Learning. And you can go on to my Tokenet webpage too. I've got links to all of her stuff on there. Thank you, Sue, so much for spending time with me this afternoon. You have a wonderful weekend. And don't get too hot. Stay cool. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. It was delightful. Nice talking with you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So I'm not kidding. Go over there and check out her her website and her blog. She's um, a very interesting um, parent. She has some wonderful, wonderful stories to tell about her life with her children. Now I'm going to go to something a little bit different. In America, we think about exchanging goods um, you know, as, as a matter of course, we take it for granted, I suppose, as long as we have a receipt or we can remember the date of purchase and show the method of payment, unsatisfied customers can once again leave the store and go home happy. It's not always so here in my fair country, <clears throat> but it is becoming a lot easier. The customer service almost meets American standards. Dortz and I had bought some rucksacks. These are fashionable hand-woven things that we know as backpacks. They call them rucksacks here. Dortz used hers every day to carry dance and work. Take it back. And she said, oh, no, too well worn. But, you know, I, the brash American attitude that I have now, took both of them back because I thought, well, if that happened to hers, it would eventually happen to mine, even though I'd hardly, I'd only used it maybe once. And I did get a full refund on both of them. And now Dortz is on the lookout for a replacement in sturdy canvas this time. She's learned her lesson. And she called out to me from her room with a computer. She was looking up rucksacks. She said, how many liters was my last rucksack? I went, liters? I mean, did you know that they're sold by volume? So I visualized a gallon of milk, which is about four liters, and mentally plonked four gallons of milk, maybe five, into my virtual backpack. And I said, yep, that comes to about 20 liters. So that's what she ordered. Hasn't arrived yet. I think we need to track it. It's been a while. But I didn't know that, that you sold, that they sold rucksacks or backpacks by volume. And Tina, there in California, I'm going to say your name again because I've not forgotten about you and your request for visiting England ideas. And I will send you everything that I have in an email for you so that you can print it and use it as your motivational force hanging above your desk. Last week, I mentioned historical buildings and museums, churches and places. My children got so tired of seeing museums and churches and things that they begged us the last time we all came here together. Please, no more castles or museums. They were in their late teens by then and early 20s. So the burnout had taken 16 to 18 years, but we complied. And by the end of the three-week visit, they were saying, aren't we going to go to Dover Castle? You know we always go there and sit on a cannon or can we go to the National Gallery? There's an art exhibit I want to see and having one more look at Van Gogh's sunflowers would be pretty full. Or 
We have to have a photo by the Houses of Parliament with Big Ben behind us. Just gots it. It would be a trip to London. It wouldn't be a trip to London without doing the touristy thing over there by the river. So, all said, they do love the historic stuff. And I must have mentioned this before, repetition creatures of habit so we complied and ended up doing the cultural round again with a few extras thrown in like the crown jewels and churchill's war rooms picnics are a big thing in our family ha ha that's a pretty inexpensive way to take care of at least one meal during the day shopping for sandwich fillings and crackers and cheese in a supermarket is a trip to experience too much choice in too small a space and the sweets and pastry aisles are ridiculous mind-bogglingly a creative Sainsbury's our favourite shop. Um, ready-made foods there are a lot less expensive than the sandwich shops along the street. There are also fresh pasties and sausage rolls on sale at the bakeries, which are very English. And they sell mixed drinks in a can too. Easy to pop in the picnic bag. Did I just say that? My rule was always buy nothing American, so hunt down fish and chip shops instead of McDonald's, little coffee shops instead of the ones you get in America. My star barista didn't hear that. Use the tube to get around London, fun times. You can buy a weekly pass that you can use on the bus too. And then if you're not in London, you'll need a car. You have to remember that driving on the left is right. Blame it on jousting. Some lovely places to visit include Salisbury with the cathedral in the Water Meadows and their grazing sheep, Stonehenge just down the Sarum Road, visit Bath for its Roman baths, Stratford-on-Avon for the Shakespeare element, Windsor Castle for Majesty, Hampton Court with the river where Handel played his water music because Henry VIII didn't have an iPod yet. No matter what time of year you visit, prepare for rain. England seems to have passed on summer and sunshine these days. Don't let the gloomy weather stop you. Beautiful parks in London. And you know what? I have never been to Scotland or Wales because I'm English. And we may do that this trip, but quite honestly, with the way the weather's going, Greece. I might chase the sun to Greece. News of the children in America, well, yeah, they're doing well. Doing really, really well. And it looks as though I'm done rattling. I'll be back same time, same place next week with more ado about London. That's Friday at noon in Texas or 6 p.m. here in Merry Old. I'm off to see Top Hat this evening with Dorts and a friend, a boy. Someone's coming to look over the flat. Tell me something new. We're visiting family in Canterbury at the weekend and working a show at the local theatre on Monday. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toganet Radio, my guest this week, Sue Patterson, and my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Kathy, Dorothea, Rosemary, Kathleen, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Take care and be safe. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Number six, 24 to 26. Doop, doop, doop. Doodle, Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNeil.